and welcome everyone. Today's guest is Teresa Gittimer. She is the owner operator of Hey Red Speakers Agency. For 20 plus years, she's represented and promoted keynote speakers across the country. She recently designed a program for the Charlotte market named Local Heroes. This provides small business owners an opportunity to grow their business through speaking. So Teresa, would you tell us a little bit about what you do as a speaker's agent and agency owner? Sure, absolutely. First of all, I want to thank you and uh, Steve for having me on the program. This is this is a this is great. Thank what you I for do being as a, <laughs> what I do as a speaker's agent is I just like it sounds I book speakers for events across the country, typically association events. That's kind of my sweet spot. Right now, of course, everything is virtual, so it's had quite an impact on the speaking industry. Speakers are used to going to live events, having live feedback, standing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's been a shocker. So they've done two things. They've either created a, a live virtual studio out of their home, or if they have a very, very large crowd, they are going to a studio and recording it there. Because if there are any technical glitches as a speaker in a virtual environment, you can't say, oh, well, you know, wait a minute, I'll get this. You've, you've got to be clear. Right. So that's one, that's one side of the business. The other side, as you mentioned, I started a program about a year ago called Local Heroes. And what that is designed to do is to give uh, business owners a chance to promote their business through speaking. If you are the speaker, you are the perceived expert even if you're full of soup, okay? <laughs> you're, you're up there, you know, you're sitting in the seat, and it's just an excellent way to promote your business. The uh, talks are simple, uh, around 30 to 45 minutes. It's not a 30-minute sales pitch on your business, but it's giving the audience something to hear that they'd be interested in, something that they could learn that they didn't know about your business. So those are the two sides of my business right now. Okay. On both sides. I'm really curious now about, you said when, uh, so I've done a lot of moving around and changing of equipment and everything to try to tweak my own home virtual studio, but I was not aware that there are speakers out there that are going to like a full-blown professional studio. There are. They're doing a couple things. They're either in their home studio, but there mm -hmm. are studios that are open and they'll go there, and, or they'll be a hybrid. Some of my speakers are at an event, live, you know, physical distancing, mass Ooh, in some okay. cases, and then it's also live streamed out to hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. So they're, they're doing that as, as well. Are there any particular types of speakers? I know the Local Heroes. So the Local Heroes, Local Heroes program, if I understand it, correctly from our previous conversations, that's more for like the up and comers um, that maybe have not been on a national stage. Absolutely. There was a gap in the market there. You know, you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. You have to be a high, say you have to be a bad speaker before you're a good speaker, mm -hmm. but you get better by experience. And if you're trying to work with an agency, they're probably not going to take you because you don't have that experience. So you're kind of stuck in this realm of, okay, what am I going to do? That's what Local Hero provides. 
what I do is I get my speakers speaking engagements. A lot of them are unpaid through the networking groups, but I also can work, can reach out to associations that have chapter meetings. So there's, okay. there's really two sides of that, but you'll start with networking groups and there is a huge advantage there to get that exposure. I call it the E and E, the experience and exposure that you need to become successful. You may not want to be on the main stage as a keynote. You may just want to get better at your speaking skills. I like the E and E. I love, we're big lovers of acronyms and things that help us remember here. That's the, okay, the well, acronym. <laughs> um, so you mentioned associations. I, I know from doing some work with associations that there are some real pros and cons of working with associations. So in your experience, what are some pros and cons for speakers and for you of working uh, with associations? Sure, it's a great question. The pros are when you're speaking to an association, you're not just speaking to one business. Like if you were speaking to Bank of America or Westinghouse or smaller ones too, but you have one, one corporation, one association, or one in an association, you may have 60, 80, 100 different businesses. So as a speaker, it's not just working with one company, it can be numerous. And so in the follow-up on that, if you're good, always look, you're only as good as your last uh, talk. Mm -hmm. So you always have to look at it that way as well. But if they like you, there's a higher chance that you're going to get more referrals because you are talking to a larger audience, not just, not just one. So that's the upside. The downside from my perspective is they're really hard to get because they're normally decided by a board. There typically is not one person. That volunteer board a lot every year changes. So you may have this wonderful relationship with Susie and boy, you've got it. And you just meet, you just missed their last association meeting by two weeks. Hmm. Well, you're going to gear up for the next one and you're all, you're going for that. And then Susie's no longer there. So now hmm. you've got to start over. And so much of it is building that relationship. You've got to have that relationship first. I can't just call someone up and say, Hey, I have John Sanchez. Let's bring him in right away. Mm-hmm. They've got to, I've got to have a relationship. They've got to get to know you. Uh, and, and so those are the pros and cons. There's more uh, audience members that you can possibly get referrals, but they're mm-hmm. harder to get. The other, I'll add one more thing about associations. Uh, associations are great for another reason. You can start in at the chapter level. If they like you, mm. you can go to the state level. If they like you, you can go to the regional level and then ultimately end up in the national level. Now, of course, that takes time. You're not going to get it boom, boom, boom. But over time, you could land some pretty significant speaking engagements just by going up that that line. So you said something that made me think about some of my personal experience since COVID has started. You mentioned that if that person that is your contact, they could leave, right? And so they're now, now you're kind of starting over has... Have you experienced that now during COVID where maybe your contact has been laid off because of the pandemic? Fortunately, I have not. Okay, uh, great. A lot, of, a lot of these people are working from home. I think that's, that's just what I see. But fortunately, I have not had that experience yet. Okay. So, unfortunate. 
So I'm curious for speakers that you work with and for the associations and whatever other clients that they would serve, what are some characteristics that you would look for in someone that you would have a, an easy time representing and, you know, getting them booked? They have to be good. <laughs> okay. Number one, have to be good. That makes sense. <laughs> have to be good. Uh, doesn't matter what their topic is, doesn't matter how many friends they have, if, if uh, they send me a video, which I have to see a video before I book okay. anyone. Because think about it, if you were booking someone for an event and you wanted someone, what's the number one thing? <laughs> You'd want to see them speak. Right. So that's, uh, that's one of the things that it has to be. I, I don't represent anyone without a video or Maybe not a video on my site, but at least I can see something they've done. They've okay. got a YouTube video. They've, they've done something else. They've done a podcast. I want to see them in action, so to speak. Okay. That makes sense. So um, I'm, I've looked on your website at kind of, you kind of have a cross section of different types of speakers. Um, so if they're a good speaker, is there any particular like a mindset that they need to have when they're approaching their speaking gigs or the whole process of working with you in, in getting speaking gigs? Well, um, the best speakers are always highly motivated. And you can tell that when you start working with them. Uh, another uh, plus is a lot of them have written a book. Ah. So that gives them more credibility as well. Now, want to qualify by saying not every good speaker is a good writer and vice versa. Yes. I've yep. seen people that were, wow, they knocked it out of the park with their speaking engagement, but boy, their book sucked. I mean, it was terrible. Mm. So you have to kind of watch that too. There's, there's, but you want someone motivated. You want someone that loves what they do. They have to be yeah, passionate about it. And really want to make a difference, whether it's uh, educational or inspirational, has to be there. I like that. So that's easy to remember: educational or inspirational, or entertainment. Those are the those are the three that are the most that are the the sections that I work in. Most of them are combination of inspirational and education. You don't have to just be one. There's usually a little bit of both, no matter okay. what your topic is. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask you a question. When I was looking through this, it seems a little off track, but I'll, tie, I'll connect the dots in, in, that, are, that are going on in my brain here. When I looked at your profile, your LinkedIn profile, something jumped out at me that oh, no. kind, of, kind of surprised me because in all the conversations that I've had with you, you seem like such a people person. And I saw in your profile for almost 14 years, you were an options trader. I am having come from an accounting background. When I think options trader, I think like a numbers oriented person that's like sitting at their computer all day by themselves, crunching numbers. And based on my experience with you, that doesn't sound like something that would appeal to you. So what was it? First of all, how'd you get into that? And then maybe if you could share something with us about that, that maybe sure. is, is something that you still use. I agree. It is kind of an odd combination. And I've got that question before. It's like, well, how do you do these things? I wanted it purposely to go out on a limb a little bit and learn something totally new. 
because I am a people person. And I wanted to get another side of me, that, that more linear side, I guess, that wasn't as creative. And of course, in that arena, whew, uh, there's a lot of things to learn. Now, I have been doing this, like you said, about 14 years. Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of education in this. I only trade maybe eight to 10 times a month, very particular, definitely not a day trader. So you're, you still I, do options trading? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And options, not, not, I don't want to dig in this too far, but if you know what you're doing, options are not as risky as you might think. Because I know when options like, oh boy, the puts and calls and there's a time limit and yeah, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah, if you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing, you have a better opportunity of, of making some things work. So I find it fascinating. I have my uh, home office looks like a 911 center. I've got, <laughs> I've got six huge monitors. Double oh, wow. stack. I've got three. So I've got six I'm looking at right now, plus my laptop. So uh, it is an, if I were to show you the charts, when I first started, I didn't know anything about the market. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that you could make money when it went down. Never heard of it. So yes. I have learned a lot. If I can learn it with my personality, anyone can. Yeah, I, the reason that, that it jumped out at me and I wanted to ask you about it is pretty, I guess exactly what you said, that, that co it seems like an odd combination. I, and I get that question a lot because coming from an accounting background and then being right. in training and speaking in front of people, a lot of people are like, how did, I, I would have thought you were an introvert. And so it seems like it doesn't go together, but that makes a lot of sense. Are there anything from that options training world that you learned or that, that skills that you picked up that help you in your, your agency business? Well, the two biggest issues, challenges that people have in the market are fear and greed. You have to watch those two emotions because you want to get that last dollar. You wait in there, mm -hmm. oh, 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 blew it. Or, you know, you're never going to get in at the bottom or sell at the top. So you have to relax about that. So I would say that from my perspective, it has made me more of a patient person because one of the qualities mm -hmm. you have to have to trade well is patience. Looking for that trade when it comes to you, not jumping in or getting all excited about it. You got to keep your emotions in check. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, as you said, it's an odd combination, uh, but I help, I like it because it, John, it helps balance me out. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I think I mentioned to you before when we talked specifically even about the, the show uh, that we're doing now, I mentioned to you that when Steve and I are working together on some of the training that we do, we use an acronym called RAMP, R-A-M-P, which represents some of, some of the key principles that we focus on. And so one of those, the R in RAMP stands for routines, or you could also think of it as habits. Do you have any keystone habits, like habits that you feel like are really important as part of your success, any yes. that jump, okay. Could you share? Goal, goal setting. Goal setting, okay. Have to, set, have to set goals. If you don't set a goal, how do you know where you're going? Mm -hmm. How do you know if you've arrived? Right. I have post-it notes on my mirror with my goals on them. I have a piece of paper on my desk 
that has my goals written down. And I have one on my nightstand, my goals there. So I'm looking at them three times a day, get in the morning, during the day, and at night. Got to have goals, and they have to be written. You can't just say, well, I want to make more money. Well, if someone gives you a quarter, okay, you've made more money. Now, what, <laughs> what is that qualification? What, what is it going to be? I'm not just talking about monetary, but what is a goal that you have? How will you know when you reach that goal? I think that that is the biggest mistake that someone can have is not know where they're going. You've got to have a direction because what happens is when you wake up in the morning, you have something to shoot for. Mm -hmm. there's, something, there's, a, there's a goal. There's I'm doing this because this is my goal. I'm working towards this. And it, it makes it exciting. And it just gives you something to live for, something to do. You feel like you're not just working because everyone else is working. Right. You're, you're doing it because you know where you're going. When you said you, you look at your goals morning and night, you reminded me of uh, Think and Grow Rich because he talks in the book about that. Have you, have you read that? I have. Uh, I have. As soon as you said that, I thought you've probably read that thing more than once over the years because it sounds yeah. very, the yes. way you're talking about it, it sounds very ingrained in, in your day-to-day. -day. Absolutely. One of my other favorites, and you may not have heard of him, is the late, great Earl Nightingale. I've and heard of he him. An economic, okay, Steve's nodding. You, you've heard of him. He really, in my mind, was the founder of the personal development um, world. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting because some of the recordings and books that I read, I'll see something. I'm like, you didn't say that. That was Earl Nightingale. <laughs> but yeah. uh, one of the things, Steve, have, have you read him? You're nodding. Have you? Uh, I, I have one of his cassettes up on my desk here. Uh, the new lead the field by uh, Earl. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Years ago. Uh, the strangest secret is the one the I have listened to that hundreds of times, literally hundreds of times. Down. It's in my. Um, it's in my. I have an older car. I have a cassette player in my car, but I, I, have a, I have a CD player as well. So there, when I'm doing my jog walk, I'm not a runner, but jog walk and have that in my ear mm -hmm. and I just find it you know his whole story is you become what you think about mm -hmm. it's so true you become what you're what you think about and so it's just wonderful and you can watch it on YouTube you don't have to but yeah I mean I put it on YouTube you can listen to that he's got another mm -hmm. one called direct line which is hours and hours but again, it's along that inspirational, educational mode. I'm sorry, John, I cut you off. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm taking notes. You said you're not a runner, but I saw in your profile that you completed the Marine Corps Marathon at two different ages. And you talked about a little bit about appreciating the value of good health. So what in the world made you decide to run a marathon, first of all? Steve, Steve can relate better than me to this, but... I've, I've always been someone that has done things, I don't want to say unusual, but my philosophy was I'd rather try and maybe lose than sit on the sidelines and say, I wonder, I wonder if I could have done that. So I'd always been kind of a, like I said, slow jog walker. And I just got a bug. I was working out with some people at a gym and I started with like a, a 5K, then 10K, then half, and I just got 
fixated on the Marine Corps Marathon. So I ran that when I was 45. And between that and the one I did last year, I did six others. So um, uh, mostly the Portland, I'm from Oregon. And so uh, Portland has the Portland, of course, they wouldn't have it now, but the Portland Marathon, uh, it's pretty flat. And uh, I was, it's such a feeling of accomplishment when you, when you finish. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not easy. And to reflect back on the last marathon, the Marine Corps Marathon last October, uh, I had three things against me. Okay, now I trained as well as I could on my own. That's fine. But when the, the day of, the morning of, it was raining. And I mean, pouring. There's one, I have a shot on my Facebook that we're literally walking through probably two to three inches of standing water at this one point. And you had your choice, you could go through the water or since I'm rounding up the end of the thing, go through the mud pit. And so I, I chose to kind of do, do both. But I did finish, like I said, I'm a, I'm a jog walker. It was over six hours. But um, I was about two minutes faster at age 60 than I was when I was 45. I wow. was, I was, I was thrilled. And the other, I had three other things going against me. I didn't know it, but I had a broken toe. Wow. <laughs> oh. So broken toe, pouring down rain, most in history. And I had put together this great playlist of motivational music. I had some military and all my favorite. About mile and a half, it, something happened. It didn't work. Hmm. So I had to go almost the entire without, without music. So I had, but I was determined, I was determined to finish. And in the Marine Corps Marathon, when you cross the uh, line, of course, it's close to the Iwo Jima Memorial, mm -hmm. go up that last hill, and there's a Marine that is putting this medal around your neck as you cross the finish line. And it's emotional. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. You've, uh, you finish something, uh, it's an accomplishment, and it's something that I'm very proud of. Well, you should be. Uh, Steve can relate better to that than me because I've never run a marathon. Steve, how many of you run, Steve? Was it like I run 21. 21. <gasps> and my first, my first one was at age 50. So I started running marathons late. Wow, that's fun. Have you done the Marine Corps marathon? I have not. Yeah. Which ones have yeah. you done? I've done Disney. I've done several in Columbus, uh, Akron, Ohio, um, Columbus, Ohio. Um, one in New York. Uh, I've done them Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, just throughout the country, Cincinnati. Um, wow. Haven't done any here in North Carolina, though. You must be. Did you qualify for the New York Marathon? You've got to be fast. No, I've not. I've not qualified. Like you, I've. I've. Uh, you know, I'm at a good pace that I'm comfortable with, and and as you said, it is an accomplishment every time you finish. Well, and you just feel great. I looked at it this way: if someone said you had to sign up for the next marathon while you were doing the marathon. <laughs> you'd never sign up because I'm telling you, it's, you're gutting it out. And another thing that I highly dislike is someone, you've got a couple miles to go and someone's cheering, almost done. 
almost done. And you're like, I've got two more miles. It's, it's so talking about goals, no matter what it's been, 5K, 10K, half. In my mind, I had, okay, this is 3.1. Got it in my mind, got it 3.1. Mm-hmm. And if someone told me I had to go another quarter mile or whatever, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it because I'm you're so focused on this is, this is what I'm doing. And when it's done, you're done. It is a true goal-setting activity. You're absolutely right because you do have to plan, train for it in order to accomplish it. You can't yeah. just show up and run it. No. No, I can't imagine. What pops into my head when you were talking about that is um, the mindset. I've I've heard so many athletes talk about how more of whatever they've done in athletics and other things is mindset versus the physical part of it. What are, do you have any tips or any, any tricks that you've used to get yourself in that mindset? You've got all these things against you. You get the broken toe, you're, you're, you got bad weather, your music goes out on you. What, what enabled you mentally to just keep pushing? I was going to finish. It was, was that determination. determination. I was going to finish no matter what. And I'll tell you just another thing. Uh, in the Marine Corps Marathon, you have to reach this bridge. I forget the name of the bridge, but you have to reach it by a certain time or they'll pick you up in a paddy wagon. Because they can only keep the course open so long. Mm -hmm. So there's a big deal of, you know, beat the bridge. You're going to beat the bridge. You're going to beat the bridge. And in my mind, I had been so slow that I was thinking, I'm not going to make it. I I don't think I can make it. And in my mind, I was like, well, you gave it a good shot. You know, you you start, I tried as hard as I could and all that. Mm -hmm. And when I was... A ways into it, I said, uh, have I, have I crossed the bridge? Because I had other things going on. They go, oh, yeah. And it's like I was almost halfway disappointed because I was so tired. <laughs> and I wanted the paddy wagon to pick me up. It's like, oh, man, now I got to finish it. So, so, but it, it was good. Steve, I, it, I understand. It's a, it's a high. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost starting to feel like a weenie listening to you guys talk about <laughs> marathons because I, I ran when I was younger. I did cross country three miles and I always have just felt so intimidated by the idea of taking on a marathon. It just seems like I know in learning, we use the idea of chunking a lot, you know, breaking things down to smaller parts. But I think I just was, have always just been intimidated by it. Um, and especially well, yeah. now... Yeah, you have, you have to want to do it. You, you have to want yeah. to do it. If you have no interest, <laughs> believe me, <laughs> you, you've got to really have it as a goal and want to do it and train when it's, you know, 100 degrees and 80% humidity. Mm-hmm. You, you got you to want it. So was there anything that made you want it as bad as you did other than like the thing people say about, you know, why do you climb a mountain because it's there? Was it just a challenge mainly? Well, I had uh, some medical issues and it was part of that. I couldn't drive for a while. I didn't have use hmm. of my left arm. And it was, it was a proving something to myself that I could do it. That's really how it started. It was Got like, it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And that's once I did one 
it was a catalyst to do more. And I never thought I would do more than one, but mm -hmm. they're addictive. It's, it's really Ooh. interesting. Most of the ones I've done have been in October. And I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm never going to do that again. It hurt too much. It was too much work. And, and then about February, it's like, well, should I, should I try it again? And it's... <laughs> you got an itch. It's, it's addicting. That's all I can say. It's, it's, it's addicting. Now, will I do another one? I don't know. I'm not thinking about that. I'm just, I'm just really pleased. I'd look at the time twice when I came back, and I'm like, you did better at 60 than you did at 45. Yeah, that's, I, I, was, that's... I was amazed. I was, I was, so, I was so, so pleased. Yeah, I, that, it, just the idea of it. I'm, I'm shaking my head because I'm like, it just seems like so much. Um, I'm curious with, with what you do now and, and how different some of the things in the past were, like the options trading, for example, what, what transitioned you into doing what you do now? And, and what was it about it that appealed to you? A couple different things. First of all, prior to having this business, I worked at now my ex-husband's business. I ran, his, I ran his speaking business for 10 years. And that's what, okay. that's what really was the catalyst to, I really like this arena. I could see the positive influence it could make on someone's life. His um, programs are more customer service and sales, so they were more educational, but mm. you can make them funny and humorous and that type of thing. So that really was the catalyst. And gotcha. after that, after we divorced, I thought, you know what, I really like this. I really want to, to stay in this business. And it really happened by accident, truly. After mm. we got divorced, I did a lot of volunteer work with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department and the Red Cross, got involved in that. Then I wanted to do something, to go back to work, do something. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to be behind the scenes. I really did. And there was one of the speakers that I knew that I said, hey, why don't I be your director of events? I'll be the behind the scene person and get you gigs. He goes, well, sure. Okay. So that worked out. And so he referred me to another speaker. And so that worked out. And then that speaker referred me to another speaker. And I had three speakers before someone said, you know, Teresa, you, you probably should get a website. <laughs> and, it, and it was just, I hadn't thought of it at all. I had not decided that I'm going to have a speaker's agency. I didn't want to work that hard, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, it, uh, it, it just came about by accident. I'm really glad I'm doing it now, but that, that was not the goal getting started. So now, you know, I love what I do, but to, like, like a lot of people in their career where they, where they land isn't necessarily where they thought they would be or what they thought, sought out to do. It can be yeah. different. I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I started out as an accountant and now I do training and speaking, which in my brain, it feels almost like it's on the opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but I noticed a pattern. And when you started talking about how you got into it, this pattern of referral, people referring you and referring you. And I'm guessing how, how big a part of your business would you say referrals is? Like if you huge. had to put like percentage on it, a ballpark. It, it's, it's huge and it's repeat. It's okay. referral, but it's that, it's that word of mouth as well. Because if you say it, it's bragging. But if someone else says it, it's fact. Mm -hmm. So 
you got to get enough people talking about you. And, and that's done as a speaker. When they do a great job, they're going to get a referral. Someone's going to be in that audience and said, man, you know, this person was really good. You've got to have him at your event. Yeah, it reminds me of, there's an expression somebody told me a long time ago about credibility. And I think he said, credibility is the one thing that someone else can give you better than you can give it to yourself. I might be butchering the words, but the idea being if somebody says something good about you, that's more powerful than you saying it yourself because it sounds like bragging like you're saying. Right, right. If I said, well, I'm the best speakers agency in the world, you need, you're going to fall on your face unless you work with me. Oh mm -hmm. boy, you would never want to work with me. But if someone says, you need, to, you need to speak with Teresa, you know, she can get it done. She's great. Right. She's X, Y, Z for me. But, you know, that's going to be so much more powerful. And, and you earn referrals. You earn yeah, them. Yeah, I agree. So the, other, so the bulk of, of your business comes from referrals, but you and I met through networking. So I'm curious if you have any, I think you're a great networker from the events that we've been in together. You're, I find you very easy to talk to. You, have, you seem to have, like know a lot about a lot of, uh, at least a little about a lot of different things and a lot about certain things. Are there any uh, networking tips or advice that you would have, is especially for speakers, and then maybe even for somebody else who might be listening that maybe is not a speaker, but kind of more general. Right. Well, you bring up a good point, and I, I miss that. The networking, what I do is key, because that's how I found most of the local heroes, the speakers that want to work with me in the area, almost exclusively, those are from networking. And I'm active in about three or four groups. You, you've got to be careful you can get over networked yes, and you, sure. you want to you choose them selectively you want to look at events where you can you know get some business that's what we're there for you want to network and meet people but ultimately you want to do business with them mm -hmm. so you just have to be selective about the ones you choose but they can be a wonderful wonderful source of meeting people getting to know them uh, the one thing that is, I hate to say nice about COVID, that is, that's, uh, I can't say that. I'll just say this. A silver but lining, maybe? Silver lining. Okay. So thank you. Thank you, John. You can do a lot more networking as far as check out different groups mm -hmm. instead of getting your car, you know, getting fixed up and going out there and deciding, oh man, this is really lame. There's three people here, no chance of any business. You know, you're sitting there and going, oh, this was a waste of time. I like these people, but this is a waste of time. Well, in Meetup or whatever platform you choose, you can go through and look at, oh, this one looks good. Pop in, go to the meeting. Mm -hmm. And if it's not that great, oh, man, I had this phone call. It was, it was really nice meeting everyone, but, you know, got to go. Right. I know I'm not the only person that has done that. You know, <laughs> a little easier to press up to it. But I know that that happens. So it's, it's very time efficient. Mm -hmm. You can check out a lot of groups and then go, ooh, that one's a good one. I'm going to go back to that. And the one thing I've realized, it's so much more effective. We'll never go back to the way we were as far as getting out and setting meetings and we just can be so much more efficient uh, virtually. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that all of it's going to be done virtually. 
Right. But I know from my standpoint, I'm going to do a lot more of it virtually because it's such so, a time saver. You don't yeah, have to get ready and go out and drive. You know, any meeting was two hours. And if you were trying to meet, make another meeting, you tried to meet with someone in the area so that maybe get two meetings in, but a lot of time. So networking yeah, groups are, are very important. Well, that silver lining that you mentioned makes me wonder. So you have the local heroes programs, which obviously, so we're in the Charlotte area. So you're working with people in the, in the Charlotte Metro area. Yes. I'm wondering if because of things go, being forced virtual because of COVID, if that's opened up any opportunities for you to work with speakers who maybe you would not have worked with before because you can book things for them virtually. Has I, that opened any, any opportunities uh, up? Somewhat. I think that uh, people are less intimidated being in their home and in their own environment mm -hmm. than actually going out and doing a presentation, standing up in front of a group. So I think that that can be a little bit more comfortable getting into it. The other thing, though, is that uh, one of my local heroes is a comedian. She has a, she has a oh. comedy show. And one of the things that just hit me recently was like, since this is virtual, I can, I can book a, an event in Cincinnati. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it opens up. It's not just Charlotte metro area. Absolutely. Since virtual, you can tap into all kinds of markets. And so yeah. that is that is a big plus. You've expanded your market. You don't have to fly someplace. People aren't gonna people are not gonna have to travel to see you and your right. program. So it's um, it's changed things, but that's one thing that's that's been a plus. I'm curious if you've seen like the double-edged sword aspect of being virtual because I've done a lot of things virtually even before the pandemic started, but it seems like people's expectations are a little different now. And there are a lot of people who are still, even though we've been going through this for quite a while, there's still a lot of people that are not very comfortable using Zoom and being virtual. And I'm curious, have you had any speakers that instead of seeing the, the silver lining of it have stumbled because of some of the technology has that created? Yes, absolutely. Well, this okay. is how I look at it. In mid-February, no one said, okay, gang, now in 30 days, we're all going to be virtual. So this is what you need to do. Mm -hmm. You need to get good lighting. You need to make sure you have a decent camera. Audio has to be good. You need to have a decent background. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to practice how to use Zoom. Okay, you do this. You want to pull, you know, breakout session. Yep. No one told us that. So we were all just kind of thrown into it. If you hadn't used Zoom before, which I had not, you had to learn. You were in, a, you were in new, new territory. Yeah. And for a lot of speakers, a lot of them had been doing virtual and Zoom. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But speakers like to be in front of live audiences. They, they yeah. hate because yeah, I work, I, they hate it. They, yeah, Stephen, it's, it's hard. Steve and I, actually Steve and I met through um, a training company that, that booked us as contract trainers. And so we were flying all over the country doing face-to-face -face training. And so the transition <laughs> for us 
was that double-edged sword, like, like we're talking about, which was exactly what you're saying. I love being in front of a crowd. I love being able to walk around and interact with them. And to your point about the good lighting and all these different things, we've both been like tweaking everything about how we're presenting ourselves on Zoom, like as we go. I've completely, I literally shifted my entire office. I flip-flopped it so that I have the wall right behind me instead of being way in the background. And I've upgraded little bits here and there with lighting and microphone and all that kind of stuff. And it almost feels like if you're not, and I think you've actually told me this when you first started talking about virtual gigs, was you kind of always have to be in that mode, right? Like always kind of tweaking and upgrading everything as you go as you can. Well, and I have a, um, I call a Zoom etiquette list. I have 12 little things on my list. And I've, I don't want to say I've seen it all, but boy. <laughs> Will you be able to share that with us in our audience? Or is that kind uh, of your, I, your no, thing? I'll be happy, I'll be happy to, to send it out. Yeah, I'll be could happy you, to. Could you hit a couple of, of like the, the more common or, or big ones for us? Well, don't look like you rolled out of bed. If you're, yeah. if you wouldn't go, think about it that you're actually going to a networking event and mm -hmm. ask yourself, would I go looking like this? <laughs> and so I look at that, especially with financial people, you know, their insurance or their realtor or their financial, whatever. I'm thinking, am I going to give my money to this person? This person has a cowlick and looks like his clothes are wrinkled. And no, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, the other things, a couple, uh, you know, someone chewing on a piece of ice. Mm. Now, you can think, I was at a meeting on Saturday, and I hope she's not listening. She's not. But she was on a treadmill. The entire time. Are you? Wow. I've not yeah. heard that one before. I, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Because anything that's moving, of a ceiling fan or anything, it's distracting. It's like when someone yeah. picks up their laptop and is going to move to another room and they haven't put the video off. You're like, okay, this like, is yeah, I need a Dramamine. You get motion sickness. Oh, I know. I know. The other thing is... And it's as hard because we do get distracted, but try not to look at your phone. People can tell. If someone's speaking, try, try not to be doing this. You're going to do it. Have it kind of eye level <laughs> so you can just kind of glance at it. But yeah. don't do this. Try to, try to keep engaged with, what, with what's going on. And the other thing is just uh, lighting is terrible. They're looking, they look like they're in a cave. You just yeah. see the teeth moving, I mean, not moving, but that, that's all you see. And mm -hmm. um, the other thing is maybe have you got like the name of your business behind you? Maybe you're in front of a letter. <laughs> so hmm. it's like, oh, Blocking I, I, things that you right. actually want to show. Uh, the W is missing. <laughs> so it's just, it's just, it's just little things. Or it may spell, spell something embarrassing if you've covered the wrong letters. You never know what's behind you. <laughs> I've, I've well, seen little funny things like that, like little memes about like that, where it changes, changes the oh, word because you're blocking something. 
Oh, uh, absolutely. Like I said, most people, I don't need to pick on anyone, but most people are good, but you just, I, I think some things are just not thinking about. I, I don't, yeah. I just, I don't think that they're trying to make it not good. I just don't think they're thinking. And I said, just think about it. Would I go to a networking event looking like this? You know, my workout clothes on, my, you know, just Yeah, it's almost like it's, it's too, so convenient that people's mindset just doesn't shift like it would if they were going out to physically go to a networking event. It, absolutely. And I, and I get that. Just on a side note, I was going to go to uh, the Charlotte Area Chamber of Commerce. They had a, they had a, out, they had a networking event mm-hmm. at uh, Hampton Inn and Suites in South Park. And I was like, yes. I'm going to go out and I'm going to meet some people. Of course, I wear a mask, but I was so excited. Got in my garage, turned my car on, battery was dead. Dead battery? I had left one of my side doors opened, and it was so dead it wasn't even clicking. Oh, wow. (laughs) Just dead. So, of course, I called AAA, and they're great, and they came out, but I wasn't able to make the event, and I was like, oh. It's funny you mention that because I remember the first, the networking event that I think we met in the Street Smart Sales. Yes. I remember the very first one I went to. I remember Steve Gatter pointing out, "Hey, everybody, don't forget, um, make sure you go drive your car so your battery doesn't go dead." And I thought, that's such a simple thing, but like, thanks for the reminder because you might go. Some people might go for a week or maybe more. If I don't need to go out for groceries, that they don't even need to drive their car. That's. I had uh, my niece Morgan is staying with me, so I picked her up from the airport, went to Costco to get provisions, and so my car hadn't been driven since Monday about two o'clock until about five fifteen last night. So, like I said, it was dead. <laughs> it wasn't even clicking. You know, when the battery's kind of dead, you turn it and it's clicking. No, 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 yep. <laughs> dead. So. Um, yeah, happens. But I was just, I was so disappointed that I wasn't able to get out because I was, I've been craving that. So I'm curious now that we're talking about some of these, these things that have changed with COVID. You mentioned earlier, you're in the habit of looking at your goals in the morning, looking at your goals at night. We talk a lot about habits. I'm curious, do you have any morning routine that you do like every single day without fail? Take a shower. Okay, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I, uh, I am a night owl. Okay. I, I'm more productive late. I typically get to bed between one and two. Oh, wow. You're a real night owl. Yeah, that's late. It's, uh, it's rare, and I've, I've tried to switch it. If I need to get up early, I can do it. I don't prefer it, <laughs> but I can't. Like Steve's group, they had the 7.15 and the 9.30. Yeah. I told him, you won't have to worry about seeing me at 7.15, especially when I was at the Metro Diner. I had to give it 5.45. Well, I'm just getting to bed. And that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so back to morning routines, there, there's not anything that is unusual that I do okay. outside of the normal. Um, I exercise after work. Of course, now with the, it's getting lighter earlier, it's, mm-hmm. it, you have to kind of plan on that a little bit better. But nothing... Um, Nothing out of the ordinary, John. Just kind of. Okay. How about on the other side of that? How about an evening routine? 
since you're staying up in the evenings, is there an evening routine that you have? The evening routine is twofold. Uh, number one, it's, it's preparing for the next day. I'm a big to-do lister. And mm. I need to be careful because I've now put it to do for the week. Because I was getting just nutty on a day. It's like you're never going to get all those done in a day. I mean, some are easy, and you tend to go the easy ones first. So part of it is planning my day. And it's catching up. A lot of my um, time during the day is active, talking to people, going to networking groups. It doesn't allow me to really catch up on things. And I do have a virtual assistant to allow me to, my time is best spent on the phone or talking to someone now, of course, virtual. That's the sales aspect is where I try to spend most of my time. That's where I'm most efficient. So in the evening, Steve, I'm kind of getting that prepared. I'm in the mindset of what didn't I get done today? What do I need to get done tomorrow? And um, John, you mentioned the option issue. I'm doing a lot of research. I have you know, two things involved. And of course, um, I, I'm doing research. So or homework, so to speak. Interesting. So, uh, so, so you mentioned a couple of things that, that triggered questions for me. One, one was the virtual assistant. Um, because it's something that I've thought about over the years working for myself, that especially after I read the four hour work week book where he talks about offloading, you know, delegating things that you can. Um, but that made me also, when you said that your time is best spent on selling. And I feel like that seems to be an area that a lot of solopreneurs or small business owners are not very good at. And sometimes they're not aware that it's, it's a weakness. Are there any tips or advice that you could give people related to sales? Maybe some things that you do that in your experience, maybe some people don't do, or they're maybe not doing it well that they could improve on. You need to block out time during the day. So I'm going to focus on phone calls between 10 and noon. I'm going to look at social media between one and two or because you can get sucked into a Facebook or a LinkedIn. You start looking at what Susie Q did and that's like, Oh, look at that. And Oh, well he's online. And you, it is, it can just suck your time. So you yeah, gotta be time. careful. You, you gotta, you gotta know that you gotta stay focused and turn that off. Turn your phone off. It's okay. Nothing's going to happen in an hour that you couldn't get later on. So, so be in control. Make sure that you're allotting the proper amount of time for the things that you need to do. And that's going to vary for everyone. But you need to be looking at your time. And for me, it's phone calls and follow-up and networking. Everything from the administrative side, I have delegated to my assistant. And I would be lost without her because I didn't realize how many administrative tasks I was doing, I could really fill up my whole day with administrative tasks. Yeah. I, I could do this. I could make this form. I could look at this. I could write something for social media. I could check with my website, my webmaster. I need this accounting thing done. I can take out the trash. But, but those, those type of things, they can suck your time. Yeah, and definitely. then at the end of the day, what was the most important thing you were supposed to do? Did you make those five phone calls? 
So, so someone knew that it was a possible customer, just five. Did you make five phone calls? Mm-hmm. Did you do that? 25 a week, 100 a month. Did you make five phone calls? It adds up and you just need to, it's numbers. I hate that because mm-hmm. it sounds so, it's a numbers game, but it really is contacts. How many people have yeah. you reached out today? So it's getting into action mode, not just thinking about it. You don't have to be perfect. I think that's a yeah. downfall too, is well, I'll do it when I got this script just out and just jump in. It's okay. You'll learn something from it. Oh, won't do that again. Oh, this worked and this didn't. Just- you, you seem like someone who has a very easy time uh, in conversations, but you mentioned scripts. Do you ever use scripts? I, I don't anymore. I have more. So you, you did. Oh, absolutely. Years okay. ago, get this. When I was in my mid twenties, I worked for a company called weight loss clinic. Okay. And we had scripts that you had to know verbatim, verbatim Ooh. in the sales. You know, you had this consultation and they called them doors and they were all objections, but they were those common objections. And then you, had to get around that and you had to do it perfect. And I still remember, so your total price for 10 weeks is $4.95.95. Now, how would you like to handle it? Cash, check, or credit card? And that was like, then you wait. You don't mm-hmm. say anything. Whoever, whoever talks first dies. Well, <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of contrived things, but you don't need just be conversational. Don't you know, there's not a trick to it. Don't do like the Benjamin right. Franklin clothes or the takeaway clothes. Those are, those are gone. Just be friendly. Mm. Make a friend. That's, that's the most important thing. Make yeah. a friend. Get talking. Get talking about other things. Give value first. Give them something so they remember you, not just, well, she's calling because I know she wants to sell me something. Right. No. Do, and it, it, when someone does that for you, when they send you that, or you go, that was really nice. And you start thinking in your mind about what you could do for that person. Yeah. It's, and it, it just works out. So just, just be yourself. Be yourself. Yeah. Know what your product services and. I wonder you know, if some of us are, are our own worst enemy. When you said be yourself, that makes total sense. But I, I catch myself sometimes thinking, okay, I, I have to be a certain way or do a certain thing because that's other people's expectations. And then you hear some of the most successful people say what you just said, be yourself. I, I think, I feel like sometimes there's that, that uh, figuring out how to blend the two things of you want to give people what they want business-wise, but you want to let your own personality shine through and, and deliver it in a way that you're still being yourself, which I think it's tough for some people. It is. It is. But, but everyone has, you're not going to be like someone else. Your personality yeah. is different. And people can tell when you're faking it. It's like, yep. well, I know that you're really kind of quiet, but boy, they're going all out. And it's like, that's, that's not him. So speaking of, of being yourself and sales, how would you describe, if someone were to ask you, what's different about Hey Red as a, as a business? How would you describe like kind of your sweet spot um, in, in your business, in your industry? That's a great question. 
I know my speakers very, very well. I'm very selective. I only have 20 by choice. I know them very well. And I don't want to work with someone I don't like. <laughs> and I, I have that choice. I don't want to work with a prima donna. I don't like with someone that can't speak well. I want to work with someone that I like. That makes a lot of sense. And it's you know, pretty simple like that. Someone I like. I'm curious, one of the things that Steve and I have talked a lot about, um, both just between ourselves and with other people too, is, is uh, business coaches or mentors. I'm curious, along the way in your career, have you had any mentors or coaches or just someone who stood out to you when you look back as someone that just really made a big difference in your career? A couple people. When I was in my mid-20s, I taught a self-improvement class called Image Improvement. I was really young at the time. I was, I was speaking. And I remember the first time I gave a class, they were three hours long. And my biggest fear was that, what am I going to say for three hours? It's like, you know, when do I get there and I'm done in a half hour? But mm -hmm. the lady that ran this company, um, her name is Joanne Wallace, and she's a speaker and she had a very thriving business. She really shaped me just because of the way she was so positive. She was so elegant. She knew what she was doing. She was very friendly. I really admired her. And what, and what she had done. I think that some of the people that I think about, like I mentioned Earl Nightingale. Now, mm -hmm. obviously he's dead, but- But his work I lives on. What was that? But his work lives on, his books and <laughs> tapes and all that. It really does, and, and a lot of my uh, mentors are people, they're the Dale Carnegie's, they're the Norman Vincent Peale's, they're the, you know, the Napoleon Hills. Those, those are the people that uh, really make an impact. Now, I do have a business coach right now. I think it's a good idea for if you're a solopreneur out of your home, whatever. I think it's important. I know for me, it has saved me a lot of time and money bouncing an idea off of someone instead of going down that trail and then, well, that wasn't a very good idea. And you've spent time, money, and it ends up not working out. And then you feel silly and then mm -hmm. you don't, you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell anyone what you've done. Right. So you can head some of that off in advance. Getting another person's opinion is really important. So I would highly recommend have, it doesn't have to be someone that you're, necessarily it just can be someone that you trust and it's going to give you objective advice not say everything is great you're you know you're doing a wonderful job now I want someone that's going to be objective with me and say this is what I would do mm -hmm. now it may not always do it but I want that advice I want someone to tell me what they would do what would you do in this situation right and that's so there's just so many things that you don't know as an entrepreneur. How can you, technology is a real weakness for me. If my laptop goes down, my CRM, what am I going to do? Well, I have a technology person that can remote in to my laptop and, 
he can fix Ooh. things someone would sometimes without me doing anything because he can just remote in fix it i would be lost without him i may have to call you after we we finish this podcast and get his info <laughs> great he's 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 wonderful and that's uh i would say that he's the most as far as having outside help i would say he's the most important just because if my if my system is down I'm down. I, yeah. My database is in there. I don't have Word. I don't, and it's really kind of a sad thing <laughs> to think that we're so reliant on our computers because I was back in the sales day. I'm going to date myself here, but I had like the, the, the file box that had the January through December and then had the, the one, two, three, four. And so if I was going to call someone, I'd staple their, I'd staple their business card on like a three by five card or maybe four by six. And it would go in that month and that date, and that's yep. what I'd follow up. So I'd go, come in, look at that. Okay, I need to follow the notes were written on yep. the card. And that was that was the system. Now it worked. Yeah. So it worked like- more advanced, but that that's that was the system I used. Steve and I were reminiscing about very similar systems like you're talking about um, a little while back, because we we both learn in the insurance industry, they call it the one card system. It's just what they call their particular system, but it's the same type of thing. It's um, like a box of index cards with the months and then another box that's got the letters to, to alphabetize things. And when everything switched over, everything being you know in CRMs or, or databases, I pretty quickly realized you're automating it, but it's really the same process. You still have to in a way, I almost feel like it was a little bit of an advantage to come up sort of old school because you understand what's going on behind it more, the principles of it, right? and the importance of why am I doing this? Because when you have to physically do these different steps, I feel like for me anyway, it kind of ingrained it in me more that it's important to do these things in a certain order and do them a certain way. And then the automation to me, it just kind of takes some of the the hassle out of it and keeping organized. My desk is in a mess. Um, And I even, I feel like I use like a hybrid because I still have a paper planner, but I only use it at my desk. (laughs) It's funny how some, when you, when you, you get used to certain things, I think there's some value in kind of customizing things to yourself because the more comfortable it is to use it, I feel like the more apt I am to use it as a matter of routine. Um, so that's been interesting. You that's, gave us. Absolutely. I just want to add something to that. Yeah. I still, okay. And this is again, a millennial. They want to do everything on the computer. I like, I'm on the computer so much during the day that I like to print out things and actually read them. Yeah. And I have file folders, the old file folders that, I'll read something. I'll put that in. It's got their name on it. I like that. I'm I'm comfortable with that. I I feel the need. I'm probably you know paper waster, and then the, they're gonna go you're wasting paper. But I that's how I learn. I I like to be able to highlight or something. And I know you can do all that on your computer. <laughs> okay. I printed out the notes that you sent me for exactly those reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we're, we yeah, know I that. Relate. I just, I just, 
that's comfortable for me. I don't like to be tied to the computer all day and have to, I'm on it enough to make calendar appointments and check my email and anything that I have to read at any length, I'm going to print it off and I'll read it another time, but I won't be at my computer. I need a, I need to get out of that. And plus, I think I assimilate it better. I, I read it and I can read it again without what, what folder is that in? It's just, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you, John. I, think that's I, so I actually have some books that I have on Kindle and the hard copy for that very reason. There's something about physically being able to pick it up and just kind of flip through and, and skim Absolutely. Um, or to find a highlight. But then I like the Kindle version for all the benefits it has. You can search and bookmark and highlight and copy and paste and all that stuff. So again, it's kind of a hybrid. I don't do it for all the books that I have, but for ones like some of the ones you mentioned, like um, Think and Grow Rich, I've got a couple of the hard copies. I have it on my Kindle. Um, and there's a few other key books that I have that are like that because they're, they're not probably meant to be as a reference book, but to me, they have such great principles in them that I find myself referring back to them a lot. You, you gave us some really, really good classic resources, Dale Carnegie, Norman Vincent Peale, Napoleon Hill. Are there any, what would you say is a book or a resource of any kind that you've used recently that you would really recommend to people that you got a lot of value out of? I see you got a bookcase behind you. So obviously you're, you're always. I, I'm, I'm a reader. I would say another book that is very inspiring, not inspiration, educational is called the slight edge by Jeff Olson, O L S O N. And his whole philosophy is doing little, making little changes in your habits over and over, <coughs> just, just little things. You don't have to change it all because there's enough information out there. If, if we could fix ourselves just by reading information, I mean, we, everything would be fixed. We're not doing it. And it's doing those, just those little, little change in our habits. He talks about reading 10 pages a day of a book. Mm -hmm. you know, there, there's people that are actually proud of the fact that I got out of college and I haven't cracked a book open in years. Well, I think that's sad. There's so much out there. And so even if, you're, even if you read 10 pages a day, about 24 books a year, just from that, just mm -hmm. from, and it doesn't sound like a lot, does it? It sounds like, well, anyone can do 10 pages a day. Well, shoot, with audiobooks, even easier, right? Right. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I can but, a lot. I would say, no, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say that that's one that um, comes to mind. Success is not an accident by Tommy Newberry. Another good one. And then of course, some of my uh, trade, uh, you know, book more business is one I get for the speakers world paid to speak. There, there's some, trade books that I read, obviously, in my industry to get more education. Education is a really big deal to me. You, you have to learn. And there's so much out there to learn. There's so many avenues. There's YouTube, there's video, there's computers, there's, there's Google, there's Yahoo. You know, when we had the Encyclopedia Britannica, I like it because we're all kind of in the same age group. I think I'm the <laughs> eldest here, but I, I, I like that. But 
you get the Encyclopedia Britannica. And by the time that was printed and it was at your house, it was obsolete. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. They were these books that you kept for years. They, yep. It was, and now we Google everything. We, we look it or up. Ask and, Siri. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ask Siri. There's, there's just so, so many ways to get information. So, so you gave us a lot of really good resources. I'm curious for, for speakers in particular, since that's the people that you work with and, and the, the people that you serve, paid to speak is specific to speakers. Are, I know Steve has been involved with Toastmasters for years. Yes. Are there any other like organizations or things that you would recommend? Not, not even just to speakers, but I, I feel like a lot of what you have talked to us about today could benefit anyone, not just people who want to be speakers because communicating, I mean, we do it all the time, right? Right, right. Toastmasters is a great place to start. I, I totally concur on that. A lot of the, a lot of the, uh, select speakers I work with today started in Toastmasters. There are other, there are uh, people in the Charlotte area that uh, have training six, eight week classes that can give you a more formalized training approach. Uh, several of my speakers uh, have fantastic, very, very high level uh, sales training class. And it's, if someone's been a speaker for 20 years, it's the information is more valuable just because they've been doing it. There's nothing, they right. can't replace that experience. They've been out there. They can tell you their worst nightmares. They can tell mm-hmm. you, don't do this. Always have this as a backup. This it's just invaluable to learn from someone who's been on the stage numerous times and Makes sense. You know, learn. You learn by about, someone else's mistakes and the things that they did well. What about, um, is it the NSA, the National Speakers Association? Is that one that you would recommend for, yes. for speakers? Yes. In fact, I was, uh, I was at a um, workshop last Saturday, uh, NSA Carolinas. They have, and they have, a, I want to say it's, I think it's quarterly. It may be, I, I think it is quarterly. They have four different events where uh, you can attend. You don't have to be a member of the National Speakers Association to attend a Carolinas event. Oh, okay. That's but good you do if you're gonna join the Carolinas speaker, you have to be a member of, of the national. So my oh, recommend okay. my recommendation as far as getting started would just be to take advantage of their workshops. Uh, this was like fifty bucks and it oh. was it was wonderful. Yeah I've always had a lot out of, out of their presentations. And, you know, even if, this is the thing, even if you go to a presentation and it's horrible, you learn something from that. You learn yeah. that, wow, I really didn't like this, or wow. So it's still a learning experience, whether yep. it's, whether it's, bad, it's learning and it's getting out there and you know, action, whether it's you just reminded action. You just reminded me of, um, a quote from Les Brown, and I hope I, I get it at least close, but you're talking about how important reading is and education, but then you also talked about learning from people who have the experience. <clears throat> and I heard Les Brown say that if just information alone was enough, we all have plenty of information. We'd all be rich, fit, and happy, yes. right? <clears throat> if it was just about information, but it's not. Right. Do you have 
any favorite quotes that you could share with us that, that kind of are, yes. are little gems yes. that you come across? Yes, I, I do. And um, I've had this one. I hope I can, you know, it's like you have a favorite quote and it's like when you get um, better. Okay. <laughs> better to remain silent than thought a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. I like that. It was by Mark Twain. Although there has been some controversy, they think maybe Abraham Lincoln had a hand in that or well, but I just think that's so funny. And I can relate to that. If you've ever been in a meeting where they're really talking over your head and there's acronyms, <laughs> acronyms yep. going and you feel like, you know, what am I doing in this meeting? These people, <laughs> these people are really smart and you're afraid to ask a question. Mm -hmm. She feel like it would be silly. And so that's why I thought that quote was so good. That <laughs> is a great quote. Better to remain silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. I thought that's a, that's a great uh, way to be silent. Well, that's and not enough quote. of us are silent. What was that? Not enough of us are silent. <laughs> See, just as I, I stepped on Steve's words, right? Such a great example. Well, I think that's, I love that quote. I think that's a, actually a great way to wrap up. But before we wrap up, first of all, thanks a ton for investing the time with us on the show today. Very well. Before we say goodbye, how, what is the best way for people to find you and get in touch with you? Is there a particular social media platform or you just like to pick up the phone and call? I, I'm old school. I like to get a phone call. Okay. <laughs> so so two ways, email or phone call. You want me to give that information here or you can, okay. Yeah, give it to us here and then we'll, okay. we'll put it in the notes also so they have it okay. in text when they, when they okay. pull it up. Phone number 704-904-2522. And then my email address is my name, Teresa, no H, T-E-R-E-S-A at heyred.biz. Hey is H-E-Y. And obviously, it's the reason I named my business uh, Red. I think you probably read that on my website. It comes mm -hmm. from years of people forgetting my name and saying, hey, Red. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, that's... No, matter, no matter what I do, no matter what I do for the rest of life, if I'm in the speaking business or I decide to play the piano or whatever, Hey, Red goes with everything I ever do. So yeah, that's a great, a great name and tagline. Very easy to remember and very, very, very unique to you. Mm -hmm. A great you. choice. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.